You're listening to Just One of the Guys, the podcast that brings you all your favorite hits from the 80s, 90s, and today. And also coverage of Green Lantern comics. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid All that is shooting stars, break the mold Hello and welcome to a 100% Mike Myers, Ben Stiller free episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast this, as always, is an internet radio show dedicated to bring you coverage of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the two best Green Lanterns that were ever created, Mr. Guy Gardner and Mr. Kyle Rayner. Hello again, my name is Sean Engel, and today we're going to be covering Green Lantern number 28. It's the third part in the Evil Star Rising saga, and thankfully it means we won't have to deal with Evil Star and hopefully Goldface and the rest of the Green Lantern C-list villains for quite a while. In fact, if I remember correctly, here in a few episodes, we should be covering one of the better Justice League slash Flash villains in Gorilla Grodd. So, sadly, there's a big step up here in a couple of issues. But for now, we've got Evil Star for just one more issue. And his creepy little Oompa purple-clad minions. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for writing into the show. Uh, I haven't gotten any emails this week, but that's no problem. I got a lot of them last week, and it's really great that you guys are still enjoying it. Uh, I've been checking Libsyn site. Download numbers have been up. Uh, this month's looking really good, and I'm trying to get a couple episodes actually recorded a little ahead of time, so email might not be as quickly read as it usually is. It might not be the next episode when email gets in, so... For that, I apologize. I also want to apologize that I haven't gotten the Guy Gardner episode out. That should be forthcoming. I'm thinking I'll probably do it after this one, so look forward to that. But the one thing I'm looking forward to is Star Wars Celebration. If you guys don't know, it's coming at the end of August in Florida, in Orlando. It'll be hot. The Two True Freaks will be there. Hair Metal Hero will be there. It's going to be a fun time. So if you guys are around Florida, try and make that, and I'll hopefully see you out there. But enough promotion myself. Let's promote some other podcasts, and we'll come back and do our review of Green Lantern number 28. Hang on. Why, hello there, lovely ladies. May I just say that you look quite beautiful in your matching Slave Leia metal bikinis. You have permission to come aboard my den of nerd erotica. Some people would call it my mom's garage. I call it 10.1 forward. Can I interest you in a death stick? Nope. I was just kidding. Have a shot of trying it. Once you get loosened up, we can play a friendly game of strip fizzbin. Let me loosen that strap. <laughs> 
Hey suckers, Mori Clawhammer here, okay? You want your freaking Star Wars? I got your Star Wars right here! What about the Star Trek? You like that shit too, right? Right? That's what I thought. Well, we got that and we got more freaking comics than you can read in your entire miserable goddamn life. Hey, there's even a girl who talks about unicorns and goddamn Harry Potter and M... 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 Them goddamn Oriental cartoons with the big eyes. So you get your ass over to the Two True Freaks podcast at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, alright? Alright? Good. You can get there on the internets and choose from hundreds of quality Two True Freaks podcasts. And would it kill you to buy a goddamn t-shirt? Remember, Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. In the decade of the 1970s and 80s, not even the great city of Metropolis could be spared the ravages of an energy crisis, supercriminal attacks, or disco. The job of protecting the city fell to Superman, whose battle for truth, justice, and the American way made him a symbol of hope for the city of Metropolis. Charlie Niemeyer in association with the Superman Podcast Network presents Superman in the Bronze Age Superman in the Bronze Age is a bi-weekly podcast highlighting the Bronze Age adventures of the Man of Steel in various comic titles. Follow along at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving. But then the books actually hit. And opinions... He likes it! He likes it! Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right or expect a visit from me. The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped? Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl. Okay, 
giant metal creatures falling from the sky, speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The new 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new52superman.libsyn.com. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us. I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. Or soon the mole man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You earthlings can't change the way I can. That means I'm the most powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you, for I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the Phantom is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ravatons, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended this time. I shall sustain it to the drain of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. FFcast.libsyn. Com. And we're back. One thing I'd like to mention about all the promos that I play, a lot of them are really well done. I mean, I know the guys, well, I don't technically know them, but from what I know of them, none of these guys are really professional radio guys or professional DJs. They don't have technical degrees in you know musical engineering or anything like that, but they put together some of the best podcast promos out there. And some of the music they get, you know, yes, some of it is from the John Williams Superman soundtrack, but who cares, that music is awesome anyway. But some of the stuff is really clever and creative, especially the one for the Fantasticast. Just last episode, I believed, in the one where they covered the two annuals, the Strange Tales and the Fantastic Four annual, I think Stephen put the actual song at the end of the show instead of the uh, top 40 or the number one hit in the UK charts for that week. And I wish I could remember the name of it, but the song is just really good, and it fits the show. And now I can't associate the song to anything but the show. But enough about music, let's go ahead and get started on our coverage of Green Lantern number 28. 
Green Lantern number 28, of course, was cover dated early September 1992. I guess they may have had two books out this month. The release date was around July 14, 1992. The cover price was again the increase to $1.25 US, $1.50 Canada, and 60 pence UK. The title was Powerless. The writer was Gerard Jones, penciler M.D. Bright, inker Romeo Tangal, letterer Albert Guzman, colorist Anthony Tolan, and editor Kevin Dooley. Plus, there's a little blurb at the bottom for special thanks to David Montoya, CFI, for aviation advice. Streaking through the sky, Green Lantern Hal Jordan tries to shake off the diminutive starlings as he chases after his stolen power battery. His power reserve at nearly zero, Hal clocks the last starling and prepares to give chase to the others. But the tiny thieves have vanished, and Hal has just enough power to let him trace their trajectory or land safely. Heroically, or stupidly, you make the call, Hal ring scans for the starling's energy signature, and then plummets to the ground. Using his sports coat as a makeshift parachute to try and slow his fall, Hal drops into a forest and breaks his fall with some of the tree's limbs. Celebrating their victory, the remaining starlings high-five and then hightail it back to Evil Star. Having fallen into a stream, a powerless Hal Jordan gradually awakens. Pushing through the pain of some obvious internal injuries, Hal follows the direction the ring told him to go, determined to get his power battery back. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom... Oh, wait, no, it's just the stupid cave again, Evil Star caresses the stolen battery. But, like the scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, someone walks in on Evil Star's moment of self-gratification. And, sadly, it's not Phoebe Cates. It's Goldface. Screaming that he has been holding out on the rest of the gang, Goldface attacks Evil Star, and Evil Star reciprocates, but to no avail, because he used the lantern's power and Goldface is yellow. You know the drill. A quick fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights observed, occurs as Evil Star wraps Goldface in the minecart tracks and buries him under the cave ceiling. And even though he's trapped, Evil Star is pleased, because he still has the lantern. But it won't be for long, not if Goldface and his gang have anything to say about it. At the same time, a wounded Hal staggers his way to the nearby airfield. Grabbing a rock, he smashes it into the window of a small plane, hotwires it, and takes off in the direction the ring gave him. We then cut to Evil Star, who still can't get the lantern to give him the power to send him back to the stars. In addition, Goldface and his goons are planning a way to get the lantern for themselves. Cutting back to Hal, we see him struggling to keep the plane headed for its destination, while outside on the mountain, Repro directs where Piston could break through the cave walls to get to Evil Star. Before they can, they spot Hal's circling airplane and decide to lay low back in the mine. In the air, Hal prepares to land near the ring-inspired destination, and he lands pretty hard, trashing the plane. Entering the mouth of the cave, Hal is surrounded by Goldface's men. Hal says that he's looking for Evil Star and has knowledge about the Green Lantern Corps but Goldface isn't buying his story. But Evil Star is, and as he smashes through the wall, he demands that Hal tell him what he knows about the lantern. Hal is more than happy to oblige as he touches the ring to the lantern and powers up with just enough energy to take out the purple-suited villain. 
Seeing that this is a fight that they're not ready for, Goldface and the rest of the crew beat Cheeks as how blast Evil Star, knocking him and his starlings out. Exhausted, Hal passes out as well. Some time has passed, and Hal wakes up in the cave. Evil Star and his starlings are still out cold, and Goldface is nowhere to be found. Hal gives his ring a full Green Lantern Oath charge, and packs up Evil Star and his midget minions to take them to Oa. Wondering where Goldface went, Hal forgoes looking for him in order to get Evil Star secured. But he promises that when he returns, he will find him. Yes, he will find him. Okay, I will admit, it's pretty cool to see Hal try and be a hero, even though he doesn't have his ring charged or anything. Although you might say some of the stuff they did was kind of stupid, especially allowing the power to go out while he was still flying. Granted, he really wasn't that high off the ground, but still, fall from any height, despite you know where you're landing, is going to hurt you. Especially if you don't have a parachute to slow you down, or if you're using a sport jacket as a parachute. Plus, one of the main themes of this story arc is basically about how people deal with losing their power, both how losing the power of his ring and Evil Star being denied his power of the Star Band. So, I guess there's a parallel between your protagonist and your antagonist in this book. So let's go ahead and move to notes. We'll go ahead and start at the cover, which is a really great, it's really great artwork again by Brighton Tangal of Evil Star and his little starling minions clasping the uh, Green Lantern with the sort of green glow surrounding them, lighting them up, and this sort of darkened cavern. It's a nice image. Uh, The only problem is the starlings are all trying on Hal's clothes. I see one of them with Hal's shirt and uniform, another one trying on Hal's gloves. It's kind of weird because I thought the uniform itself was part of the construct, so, you know, if Evil Star stole the lantern, why would he have, like, a physical costume of Green Lantern? But, minor nitpick. Page one. I'm just wondering if David Montoya, the guy who gave aviation advice for this issue, is the impetus for the naming of the town Montoya Bay, where Hal and everyone is staying this time around. Just a question. Plus, for some reason... The book doesn't have page numbers this time, which makes it difficult, but you do what you have to do. Page 4, panel 1. I'm no aviation expert like Mr. Montoya, but I'm kind of wondering how good of a parachute a sports jacket might be. I'm thinking probably not very. Then on the same page, panels 2 through 6, I guess if John Rambo could pull it off, uh, Hal Jordan can, as he falls from the sky, landing in some trees, and slowing his uh, descent by falling into the branches. Unfortunately, one of the branches is pretty thick, and he hits it chest first, and 
probably break some ribs, and that's probably not a good thing for Hal. Page 5, panel 2, as the Starlings celebrate their success, they decide to high-five one another and do the Arsenio Hall dog pound thing. You know, the thing where they take their fist and spin it around and go, woo, 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 woo. (sighs) Yeah, this was definitely a 90s comic. Then on the same page, panel 5, we see Hal crashing the ground, lying half in a river, and a white rabbit comes by and sort of nuzzles Hal awake. Am I missing an Alice in Wonderland reference or something? Maybe I'm just not getting it. Page 7, panel 6. Goldface's helmet looks a bit wonky here. Uh, the way it's been drawn recently, at least from what I remember in like the issue 18 where Guy Gardner fought Goldface, his helmet wasn't this round. It looks kind of bulbous and weird. It doesn't look right, but maybe I'm just misremembering, you know, what the helmet's look actually is. Page 11, here's where I'm assuming David Montoya's Technobabble comes in as, you know, they describe the airplane that he needs and how, you know, he's going to need so much room to take off and he, you know, can't make it up in the sky very high without, you know, having hypoxia. So, you know, way to go, David. You know, hopefully you've got a decent paycheck out of this issue. Page 12, panel 5, we get Goldface saying, Good work, Piston, and Piston says in his sort of metallic, perhaps robotic voice, You're happy with me? Now, I don't know much about these characters. I don't even know if these characters are even around after this issue. Checking out on Wikipedia, there was really not much information on them, and there's really not much information on, like, the DC Wikipedia either, so... I'm wondering if these are characters that were made up specifically for this issue, and if so, if Piston is maybe a little slow, or maybe just kind of childlike, or maybe he's actually a robot who just doesn't know how to interact with humans anyway, but he's looking for confirmation from Goldface, and that's just really unusual. Then on the same page, panel 6, we get Repo saying, Easy, Jocasta, baby, easy. I can get that lantern. Nobody's better at taking things than me. Where do you think I got the name Repo? So, Repo's superpower is taking things. Wow. Maybe my assessment of Shark being kind of a lame villain was a bit premature. And if Repo's power is taking things and Piston's power is, you know, breaking things. Is Jocasta's power hiding things between her boobs? Maybe she has the most effective power of all this group. Page 15. Okay, so Hal's stolen a plane. Robbery. Now he's taken and crashed it. Destruction of property. I mean, for a superhero, he isn't going to be incurring a lot of financial and legal problems. Thank goodness he's still with Max Lord in the uh, Justice League, so hopefully he'll be able to have Max spring for that. Page 18, Evil Star is the king of monologuing. We see him, you know, staring at the sky and monologuing. We see him, you know, in the cave monologuing. And now as he's trying to get Hal to tell him about how to use the lantern, he keeps monologuing. He's so unfocused, it's not surprising that Hal gets the better of him. 
and pretty quickly. Page 19, panel 4. Goldface in this panel says, Move it. We're not ready for this fight yet. Really? A weakened Green Lantern with barely a charge against the super-powered yellow-armored villain. I think Goldface might have some inadequacy problems, or he might be overestimating how powerful Hal Jordan is. Page 21, I guess uh, recharging your ring with the Green Lantern Oath also heals all your internal injuries, so that's an awesome little side effect to being Green Lantern. Kind of nice to know. Well, that's it for notes. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the ads in this issue, and we've got some good ones this time around. And on the front inside cover, we've got even the farm animals know something's coming, and no, it's not a horrible joke about, you know, Scottish farmers. It's a... It is... <laughs> that was bad. It is a picture, close-up picture of a cow, and it's for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest coming this fall. Now, unfortunately, I've never played any of the Final Fantasy games, but I've heard that, uh, well, I think Final Fantasy, what, 13 was a good one? I don't know. I couldn't really tell you, so your mileage may vary on this one. Next up, we've got an image of some kids in a cemetery, and it looks like they're getting ready to bury something, and overhead is this giant creepy eyeball looking at them, and the poster reads, backed by popular demand, and it's a poster for Pet Cemetery 2, the sequel to the creepy movie Pet Cemetery, which starred Edward Furlong and, oh, the doctor from ER, uh, Anthony Edwards, that's it. It also starred Clancy Brown, so there is that Superman uh, reference that Michael Bailey is always so quick to point out. Plus, it was directed by Mary Lambert, who directed Pet Cemetery 1, I believe, but I think the thing that she's probably best known for right now is the sci-fi movie Megapython vs. Gatoroid. Yeah. Next page, we get the Game Boy edition of Ultima, Runes of Virtue. And I remember the Ultima games. It was basically playing Dungeons & Dragons on your computer, or your, in this case, Game Boy. It was looks like it might have been been akin to the Legend of Zelda type game, but set in the Ultimate Universe. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, you probably enjoyed this game. Then a few pages in, we get Get Hooked, and it's for the NES game of Hook, from the Steven Spielberg movie. Unfortunately, the characters really don't look like Dustin Hoffman or Robin Williams on there, and like most ports of games from movies, or most games based on movies, it's probably not the best game. I don't remember anything like this. I'm looking at some of the screenshots that shows an image of Captain Hook, and yeah, it doesn't look like Hoffman at all. So I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say probably not the most fun game out there. Next page, we get an Entertainment This Month uh, pricing guide for all their comics, and they've got X-Men and Lobo, oddly enough, you know, front and center, with uh, ads for Batman, Cable, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man 2099. Plus, they've got a whole column themselves for all the image books, including Brigade, Cyberforce, and Shadowhawk. Pick them up. I bet they're hot. Moving along to the book, we get the hodgepodge page with the same kind of stuff we've been seeing in the previous one, so nothing really new to mention here. 
But the next page features a great picture of the Justice Society of America. And at the top of it, top of the ad, it says, they're back, the world's first super team. And we've got uh, Johnny Quick, Wildcat, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Hot Girl, uh, looks like the Sandman, the Jay Garrick Flash running out front, Our Man, the Atom, Starman, Hawkman, Dr. Midnight, and Liberty Bell. Owen, of course, Johnny Thunder's there, too. But who cares about him? It's a great poster of all the guys with fantastic art by Mike Parabek and Mike Macklin and written by Len Strazuski. Sorry about that. It looks like fun. I think this was the... Uh, I don't know whether this was the ongoing that only ran, like, 13 issues, but Parabek's art is just awesome. And I just want to mention, I sent an email to Charlie Niemeyer about that, but recently he sent me the uh, Elongated Man miniseries with the Parabek art in it, and that was a fun read. So, on the air, going out to Charlie, thank you for sending me that. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Moving further into the book, we get a one-page ad for The Heckler, a return to really fun comics. And you've got to imagine if Keith Giffen, the writer of the Justice League International and creator of Ambush Bug, you know, is penning the story, that it's got to have at least some sort of humor to it. Unfortunately, I don't know all that much about the heckler, so could have been great, could have been crap. And then on the next page, we get another ad for a DC comic book hero that I have no idea who it is. It's Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, unleashing the powers of the mind. And you've got this red and black clad person with blonde hair and a diamond mask with it looks like you know Shadowhawk a grown up Haji and Angelina Jolie with a Uzi behind him so I don't know what this is about but there it is the back inside cover has the same ad we had last time for Top Gear still waiting for the Jeremy Clarkson version of the game, but the final page, the outside back cover, has Rage of the Cage, and it is an ad for the WWF WrestleMania Steel Cage Challenge for NES and WWF Superstars 2 for the Game Boy. So if you want to play characters like Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, the Mountie, uh, uh... Sid Justice or Jake the Snake Roberts, you could play him on this game. The Mountie. A Canadian guy. This is a point in wrestling that I'm kind of glad that I missed. But that does it for ads. Nothing really spectacular in notes for mail, so I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that next week we'll probably have that special issue that I've been promising you. I finally got with uh, my special guest, and we're going to be talking up some Guy Gardner Reborn. So, everything going well, hopefully. I will have that out next week for you. So, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for writing in. Thank you all for downloading. You guys are wonderful, and I can't wait to uh, get to the next issue. So, we'll chat at you next Friday, and hope you have a good week. Bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. 
This podcast is not solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcome, too. As long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to buy horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at just one of the guys, all one word, dot Libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed as well as scan of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast and feel free to leave a review there. I'll be sure to read it on the next show. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening. And come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenlander podcast. The opening music for today's show is All Star by the band Smash Mouth, off their album Astro Lounge. Not to be confused with Astro Glide. As usual, you can always order this album off iTunes, or order the song off iTunes, but smart customers will always go to the twotruefreaks.libsyn.com website and download the song, album, or buy the album from the Amazon link there. You can also peruse movies, which All-Star has lent this song to, such as the fabulous Ben Stiller comedy Mystery Man and the Shrek movie. But definitely go to twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and purchase through the Amazon link there. You'll ensure that Chris Honeywell doesn't have to mortgage a kidney in order to pay for his trip to Star Wars Celebration.